God is love, and that's what relationship is all about. I love the song that Dieter did today about love and our father. He is our father in love, because that's kind of the umbrella topic today. The subtitle um, is Seven Simple Secrets to Revolutionize Relationships, but it's all about God and his love. We have to have that first. And people come to church and they go home. And then a lot of people do this. And God's over here. And we don't go to God until something bad happens. But God has to be an everyday part of our lives. Every day. It has to be a deep relationship, that passion, that, that love that we're talking about. Seven simple secrets. We're taught to believe that love is other-generated, and it's about us. Agape love is self-generated and other-focused. We need to understand covenant. Now, I'm going to be talking about marriages, but this is talking about relationships. If somebody just walks in the church, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father. Uh, so... The principles I'm going to be talking about really aren't secrets. They're very simple. We hear them all the time. We hear them preached. A covenant is written on the heart. It's unconditional. A contract is a one-way, conditional, self-generating, other-focused love. And this covenant with marriages that, that you promise to give to one another has to do with you. You're promising to marry an imperfect person. And then you get upset when they act up. Well, come on. That is in the covenant. You might think they're perfect when you first meet them and for maybe a year or two. But that perfection goes away when we become real in our lives. We don't really teach the truth about relationships. They should be controlled by God's spirit. And no one can take that away when they're under his control. Let's go to the PowerPoint. Seven simple secrets to revolutionize your relationships. We're going to discuss the health of a relationship. I'd like to take credit for the PowerPoints. I'm not a technical person, but I actually, he, he chose this topic because I had been to a counseling conference in Lynchburg, Virginia, and this was one of the topics. And the, the doctor, he is a psychiatrist, actually sent me his PowerPoints. So the PowerPoints are his doing, not mine. Dr. Jared Pingleton. Um, go to the next slide, please. What are your relational paradigms. Now what is a paradigm? It's a model or a mental structure. You can be passive and reactive, but this never turns out good. Defensiveness is a passive reactive example. Let me give you one scenario. A person has to write an essay and they get a poor grade on it. Passive is, there's nothing I can do. Reactive, they rip up the paper. They're mad. Proactive, I can ask for help. Or they can go to sleep, tell the teacher it's not fair, call their mom and dad to go tell the teacher off and get the grade raised. Or I have good ideas. I can do better. 
and there is proactive, responsive. Standing up for yourself without putting anyone else down. This is the Christian way. Jesus was never passive, nor was he reactive. He was proactive. No one takes my life from me. No one. I will willingly lay it down. In Luke 4, 29, 30, Jesus reads from the book of Isaiah 61.1. Prophecy came true, and their response was that they took him to the edge of town to throw him off the cliff. Luke writes that Jesus turned, walked through the middle of them. If he was passive, he would have put a guilt trip on them on the way down. If he was aggressive, he would have a couple of them tossed off first. Instead, he assertively walked through the middle of them. That's relationship. He kept walking. He came to a lake. A guy was fishing, and he said, put your gear down and follow me. Jesus said, you can't take anything from me. I give it away, my life. That's radical. Seven secrets are things for which we have full and complete control through a godly developed fruit of the spirit. That's the key. That's what you need to remember. Let me give you an example of a, of a perfect um, proactive response. It's an 82-year-old little widow, about 90 pounds, was awoken one morning by, um, out of a dead sleep by a big guy with a loaded gun. She ran into him, and she said, Now, Sonny, put that thing down. Look at me. Do you think I can hurt you? It's obvious that you need my stuff more than I do. So if you want the good silverware, it's over there in the drawer. <laughs> Ten minutes later, she was leading him to the Lord. <laughs> Proactive. The man telling this story was the pastor of a mega church, huge church. When he was about 19 or 20 years old, he was on crack and he broke into houses to support his habit. He was the burglar. This was an illustration of a lady who had a paradigm of proactive responsive. These seven things that I'm going to mention are simple. They're manifestations of godly principles that work on days that end with why. That's every day if you didn't catch that. <laughs> no matter the circumstances or how you're feeling, too many people live on feelings. I feel this, I feel that. No, we don't live on feelings. We live by God's standards, his principles, his love. If you freely choose to give because that's what love is about agape what's best for the other person to a point of self-sacrifice then that's what is going to happen next powerpoint so how were your relational paradigms constructed now i'm going to shorten this because of the time but i'm going to briefly go through some of these who 
taught you how to relate with others. Think about it. Probably passive reactive people. Exodus 25, passed down from parents, grandparents. How did we see them react? What did they do in situations? How did they handle everything? This has been perverted by our sinfulness. Look at our environment. Look at what's going on. Jesus wasn't normal, but he was healthy. We don't want to be normal. We need to be healthy spiritually. And it's okay to be angry. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. Matthew 21, 12, 13. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those and sold, bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats. He chose how to respond. He didn't react. We react to our parents. We make judgments. We example from them. Parents, what you do makes an impact on those kids. They watch you. They hear you. Learn behavior. What constitutes a healthy relationship? Well, what factors was it built on? Was it based on the normal of society that we see today? Or was it based on a biblical view of a relationship? Jesus never reacted. He never yelled at anyone. He didn't have to. How do we decide what a healthy relationship is? Our environment, our people around us, what we see, how we're... We are a product of our past. Not blaming past, not blaming parents, but our reaction, our choices to our past and our parents. Where and how do we implement from yet flexible boundaries? Boundaries are good. There's a great book on boundaries by uh, Cloud and Townsend. This is a big deal. We can tell a lot about how we are by looking at our boundaries or lack of boundaries. Do we have the ability to say no when we need to? Can we stand up for what we need to? or when necessary, are we people pleasers? Oh, I don't wanna make anybody upset. I want everybody to like me. We have to have healthy boundaries. If we implement them correctly, they work. We have to realize that we really can't please everyone. Everybody's not gonna like you, no matter how nice you are. They're probably gonna take advantage of you and disrespect you. We have to know who we are in Christ to be strong enough and confident enough to say no and realize that we aren't going to please everyone. So when do we re reach out to others? Are we being pushy? Are we being obnoxious? These are all things that you need to search your heart. That's what I want you to do today. I'm not here to make you feel good. I want you to feel bad. <laughs> I want you to feel bad enough to search your heart. I really don't want to be up here giving words today. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But I want you to search your heart. And what kind of relationship do you have here before you can work this one with other people? That's what it's all about. Are we being intrusive? Do we violate others' boundaries? Do we put a finger in their face and say, this is what you need to do? No, you love them. It's the love of Christ, like he loves us. We need to take time to listen and actually hear what that other person is saying. So many people are just talkers, 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 talkers.
Well, that's good. We need them too. But we need listeners. We need people to hear what they're saying, what their heart is saying. We form our own opinions of our encounters and life, and we need to be led by the Spirit. Some people need to go through what they are going through to hear from God and become stronger. They need our prayers and not us taking over for them. We can become enablers if we aren't mindful and listen to the Spirit. Why do we struggle? Why do we struggle in relationships? Have you ever thought about that? Why do you struggle? Maybe it's you. Well, because they did this. They said this. They said that. You don't know how they hurt me. But you don't know what I have to put up with. Well, no, I'm not in your shoes. We all have a story. Everybody in here has a past, has a story, has a problem, has an issue. If you could talk to everybody confidentially today, we all have something we're going through, right? But we blame, we shame, we criticize, we ridicule, we put down. We struggle because others don't meet our expectations. This is what I needed in this relationship. This is what I wanted. But you don't understand. He does. We're very judgmental, critical people. We make it all about us. We need to look at ourselves, not others. We hear this in messages. Pastor preaches it all the time. We've heard a lot of good words from his relationship series. But we don't apply it. We come, we get touched, and we go home, and then that's it. We're back to being mad again, yelling again. Life's the same. Is this real to you? Is it real to me? You know, what is our relationship with God really about? The big picture, the whole big picture of why we're even down here is God, right? And that's what we need to focus on, not each other. Look at our expectations of others. What about the scriptures? Judge not lest you be judged. And whatever area you judge another, it will be met back to you. Oh, yes. And love is not easily offended. That's a big one. We're human. We're going to get hurt. I do. Do I get offended? Yeah, I do. But hopefully... The more I grow, and I tell people I counsel, I, I'm better this year than I was last year, and I hope I'm better next year than I am right now. As I grow spiritually, that's what it's all about. Now, if I get offended, it's like, whoa, Lord, this one's on me. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Bless them. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Bless those that curse you. We don't have an out with this. We really don't. Remember the seven things we're going to go over are things that you have control over. You can choose to do them. It isn't about you. It's about your reaction. So let's go to the first seven simple secrets. And I'm not going to read everything, all the scriptures and all the quotes for lack of time today. I know you don't want to be here until 2 o'clock. Um, so let's look. Acceptance is the action or process of being received as adequate 
or suitable. This is vital to our sense of personhood, who we are as a human being. It's an emotional basic need. John 13, 20, most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Romans 15, 7, therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. I'm going to read just one of the quotes. The greatest gift that you can give. I can't read that far. Okay. The greatest gift that you can give to others is the gift of unconditional love and acceptance. Brian Tracy, he was a consultant for companies in many countries. Um, when we're accepting others, it doesn't mean we have to allow others to walk on us or take advantage of us. It we need to have healthy boundaries. As I said earlier, we love one another. We accept one another without judging where they are in life and their walk with the Lord. If you aren't accepted, it means you aren't worth anything. Acceptance has to be a free gift or it isn't accepted. It's earned. At the heart of personality is the need to feel a sense of being lovable without having to qualify for that acceptance. We don't want to have to earn or qualify or do tricks for somebody to accept us. God made me and God doesn't make junk. When are the times you can't give someone acceptance? You are not accepting their behavior or their attitude. That's not what it's about. But you can always give someone acceptance. There's no passive reactive in giving someone acceptance. You can always give someone love. Let's go to the next PowerPoint. Attention. Attention is a notice taken of someone or something. The regarding of someone as interesting or as important. This is intentional. We don't take time for each other. Even in churches, we say, hi, how are you? What's your name? And we walk on. We may never talk to them again. Attention. People feel important when you give them attention to promote. What does it produce? It produces value and worth, significance, meaning. It's a recognition of your personhood, your identity as a human being. And this is priceless, yet it costs you our time. We don't have time. We've got to get down to Golden Corral, Outback. We've got to get there. Line's going to be long. Isaiah 42, 20, seeing many things, but you do not observe. Opening the ears, but he does not hear. When you're devoting attention to someone, you're giving to that person, to the lowliest, to the highest. We all need it. Pastor needs it. The person that you never talk to in here needs it. We all do. It's a human need. You're giving, listening, and they are the number one priority in your world at that moment. They have your attention. How special does that make you feel? One of the greatest gifts you can give to anyone is the gift of attention, Jim Roth. 
He was an American entrepreneur, author, and motivational speaker. Take the time to do this. It's a gift. No one can earn your attention. When you choose to award your attention to them, it makes them feel special. If you want other people to treat you well, well, that's the golden rule, isn't it? Matthew 7, 12, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophet. It's the best example of being proactive, responsive. Treat other people the way you want them to treat you. Now, Confucius has a silver rule. Don't do to other people what you don't want them to do to you. That works too. <laughs> Passive react is, is if I don't want to get hit in the mouth, I'm going to keep my hands in my pocket. Proactive responsive says you treat other people well, reap what you sow. Admiration. Number four, three, yeah, three. Respect and warmth, approval, worthy of respect. Now, this is a hard one. I hope I don't step on toes, but for some women who have a hard time respecting their husbands. But Ephesians 5, 31, 32 says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, men, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It doesn't say when he deserves it. Men need respect and they need peace in their marriage. Don't nag me, woman. Leave me alone. You've told me 15 times. Women need love, and they desire their husband's heart. Talk to me. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Share with me what's going on. Listen. Share your feelings. When he is loving, she is more apt to be respectful, usually. Now, this isn't all the cases. There's a lot of variables here. I would be here all afternoon if we talked about everything. But it's a big thing. When people start admiring their spouse, it generally changes the giver and they start to feel lovingly toward them. Usually people marry someone at the same level of emotional development. And when a person changes, the system can no longer function. The other person has to change to stay connected. Let's go to number four. an increase in the value of an asset over time. Do you appreciate the people you meet? Do you appreciate your brother, your mother, your spouse? This is closely related to admiration. First Thessalonians 5, 12, 13 says, and we urge you brethren to recognize those who labor among you and are over you and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work safe sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Gratitude changes the person. How many times do you tell somebody you appreciate them or you thank them? Expressing thankfulness changes their sense of entitlement, indulgence, the fact that everything is to be about them. When you express sincere appreciation, look for something. No one is all bad. I've met some people that I thought was. But, you know, something is there. If nothing else, to have the image of Christ in which they were created, and that is worthy of appreciation. 
because it's a reflection of God's image. And this can change a life. Appreciation can make a day, even change a life. Your willingness to put it into words is all that is necessary. It's important. Little, simple, yeah, we hear it all the time, but do we apply it? Look at the book of Esther in chapter 2, what she did for the king. She gave him approval and it revolutionized the country and saved God's chosen people. The way she treated her husband with respect and approval. His previous wife humiliated him and shamed him. Esther gave him approval. People struggle with guilt, condemnation, shame. We all have a lot of hurts from our past, the way we were raised or treated or lack of. Some people are unable to get past that. When we give approval and teach others to do the same thing, it's transformational. It will change who they are and how they are and how they relate to others. God gives us approval because of who he is. Love is self-generated and other-focused and not other-generated and self-focused. This isn't about you. We have become very self-centered people, all of us, every one of us. It's all about me, what I want, what I deserve, what I need. You don't understand how they treat me. We blame others. You are not responsible for what others say or do. You are responsible for your reaction to what they say or do. That's your part. I use that little comment on almost everybody I counsel. But it's so true. You're not responsible for them. If they tell you off, you have a choice. And we judge others, we criticize them for what we think. When it is done with blame and condemnation, it is a sin. Matthew 7, 1 through 3, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Let's go to 6. I don't want to keep you guys over. A gentle feeling of fondness or kindness. This isn't sexual. It can create the climate for couples to be sexual. This is a sibling term. And we all need affection, every one of us. Our neurochemicals from research and receptors are activated through affection. It's the bonding stuff. Everything in us that bonds healthy mothers with their infants keeps happening as we grow and we give and receive affection. Romans 12.10, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. Research shows that it takes the brain 10 seconds. I just threw this in to register the warm fuzzy stuff that happens in a kiss chemically. 10 seconds. Intentionally giving is affection. We all need so many hugs a day. We need a minimum of 12 hugs a day for emotional and psychological health. So what's your part? 
How many hugs a day does it take to make you mad? <laughs> Think about it. We just need to reach out. The risk is worth the effort most of the time. Use wisdom. Not everybody wants a hug because of our past. Not everybody wants to be touched. But that's where we're developing ourselves spiritually. Seven, advocacy. It's the act or process of supporting a cause, proposal, pleading for, recommending, supporting. We don't see much of this, but Jesus stands in the gap for us. He is our advocate. The Lord Jesus Christ is our partner, our helper, and our advocate, Joseph Wortham. He was an American businessman, religious leader. He loves us more than we do. When that happens in a relationship, it's awesome. When you know your spouse or someone has your back, how comforting is that? Very comforting. We're all vulnerable and we're scared to take risks in relationships. We need each other. We need the church. This is a family. We don't just go home and do our thing and then come back. We are all a family. We're all going to be upstairs together someday. We quit before we get fired. We fear rejection. So we try to make it happen and that's being codependent. This is what and how Jesus is right now interceding this is what we need to be doing exampling his behavior seven things they really aren't secret are they but we can't do these things in our flesh we must have the lord in our life first our relationship with him has to be strengthened moment by moment we can't forget about him all day long while we're at work and then oh yes lord i forgot to pray today i'm sorry moment by moment to die to our fleshly nature crucify our flesh we must walk in love ephesians 5 1 therefore be imitators of god as dear children and walk in love as christ has loved us and given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to god for a sweet smelling aroma do you have a sweet aroma do you Smell a little bit. We've become so self-focused and made it all about us. We must have the same love for others as the Lord has for us. And we don't. We can't do this without drawing closer to him and making him our top priority. I want your hearts to hear this today. It's not me. This is from the Lord. This is all in the Bible. Every bit of it. Ask him to help you see others as he sees them through spiritual eyes. Search your hearts. You know, he gave us a new commandment. Jesus talks and prays with his disciples at the Last Supper just before he is arrested. He tells them that he is giving them a new commandment. I wonder what the disciples may have thought because they had lived by the Ten Commandments all their lives. And here Jesus says he's giving them a new one. What could this be? John 13, 33 through 35. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, you cannot come. 
So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have loved one to another. Then in John 15, 11, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Then John 15, 17, Jesus continues speaking to his disciples. These things I command you, that you love one another. John 13 through John 16, Jesus shares his heart. John 17, Jesus prays to his father, Christ, the great intercessor. His prayer includes the definition of eternal life, prayer for restoration to his former glory with his father. He prays a special prayer for the church, a prayer for the keeping of the saints a prayer that the church may be kept pure and for the unity of the church. He ends with prayer for the exaltation of the church. Verse 26, And I have declared unto them your name and will declare it, that the love wherewith you have loved me may be in them and I in them. It must have been important for him to repeat it three times. And how many times do we hear love throughout the Bible? What does that word mean to you? Search your heart today. We want peace. We want joy. When we are able to draw closer to him and love as he loves, we will have more joy and peace in our lives. We can't change others. We're not supposed to. It's not up to us. But remember, I said earlier, we aren't responsible for what others say or do. We're responsible for our reaction to what they say or do. It begins with us and our choosing to change ourselves and reaching out to others and showing the love of God and stop judging. It must begin in each of us and it starts with me.